Hello, welcome to Bethel Baptist Church Podcast. Today, August 15th, 2021, we look at part four of the sermon entitled Parenting, Not for the Faint of Heart with Pastor Cox. So thankful for the opportunity to get to preach about parenting. And um, I know that we have spent a lot of time walking through this material, but I think there, it's important. Uh, there, there's a reason for it. Parenting is hard. I, I, don't, I don't care who you are, parenting is hard. And, and it's perplexing, but it's never hopeless. And, and as we have been talking about, you know, the fact that God made you a parent or a step-parent, or a grandparent, or an aunt and an uncle. And we have this book that is filled with, with promises. And as, as I have said that over the last couple of weeks, somebody came to me last week and, and, uh, and said, you, you know, it, it's a huge blessing to be reminded that I'm a grandparent, and that I still have impact and influence in my kids' lives, but also my grandkids. And what, what a huge blessing that is. And so as we've been walking through this, we've had the same big idea for a number of weeks now. But, but God's word provides instruction through Paul for the Christian household, covering respect and honor, and discipleship, and all of that fits together. And as we've been walking through this, we started out, and, and literally, we, we just asked some good questions about your attitude and, 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 and problems that could come up with your kids, and, and, and what is your charge from God? What is it that, that you're supposed to know? And then this was all part of the, of the first message that we brought. And, and here's the goal. Your charge, your goal as parents is to bring them up. Bring up our kids in the nurture and discipline of the Lord. The teaching and the admonition of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And so uh, then we looked at helping uh, your children to handle anger. And our relationship uh, with your, your kids. Because apparently I didn't proofread that again. But anyway, uh, you recognize that, that fathers provoke not your children to wrath. Don't pro provoke them to anger. And that's an important thing that we needed to, to walk through that we don't raise up angry kids. And, and I'll just be honest with you, this morning as we've walked through a number of these issues in Ephesians, that the bottom line is if mom and dad, if you're angry, you're going to make angry kids. And that's, I don't know how else to, to, to communicate that to you. If you're an angry person and, and you can, boy, you can go from zero to a hundred in, in a heartbeat you are going to teach that to your children, whether you want to or not. And so a lot of times, uh, I've got a book that, that I recommend a lot called The Heart of Anger, and uh, frankly, it has more to do with uh, parents' attitude toward anger than it does uh, the kids sometimes, but it, it's a great book, and uh, I would recommend that. So last week, we looked at the admonition or the teaching of our children. What are we going to teach them? What do we want them to know as we walk through that? And then 
<clears throat> the goal of our parenting is to prepare our kids to leave the home nest, to fly successfully for themselves by thinking and acting biblically regardless of uh, life and the issues of life. And so that's, that's what we're after. We're, we're ready. You know, I was, I was talking to Beth, uh, I think it was Wednesday night, and, and we, were, we were chatting about, you know, the kids growing up. And, and uh, I remember when Susie went off to, to Bible college. That was our last one, you know, and, and I realize you're just getting in the mix here. But uh, as, as they, you know, she went off to Bible college, people were like, oh, this is going to be hard on you. You're going to ball like a baby, you know. I didn't, because we have always looked at taking our kids and taking that next logical step and, and looking at them and say, okay, you know, now it's time to go out and serve the Lord. And, and so we took her down to Bible college and we did that with all of our kids. And uh, I, I don't know, you, you guys know me well enough to know that uh, seriously, I can cry at the drop of a hat. And, uh, you know, I, I even had to, to, to not listen to all the words of that last song because otherwise I'm going to get up here and just be a mess. And so, yeah, I, I can do it. But there was something comforting in that we were ready and, and having them prepared to take that next logical step and, and walking with God. And so this is what we talk about, the, the uh, issues of life regarding life in and of itself. So... Our topic this morning is nurturing your child. We're going to talk about correction and discipline and structured control. This is, for parenting, like touching the third rail of a subway system. If you don't understand that, that analogy, uh, the, the rails that the car rides on are on the outside, and the center rail is the one that is electrified and moves the car down the track. And the idea is that you never touch the third rail because it will cause instantaneous death. And so you, you think about parenting, you, we, we think about uh, discipline, we think about correction and structured control, and all of those things are important. A lot of times we don't want to necessarily talk about that. This is the not-so-fun part of parenting. But if we're talking about instruction and discipline in the Lord, as it says in, in uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, th then it's got to be important, amen? And, and it's got to be something that we walk through and that we think through. Now, I realize we've taken four weeks to walk through all of this material, and uh, it, it has been... It, it takes a while to get through all of it, but I am trusting, I'm praying that it has been impactful and helpful to, again, whether you're the parent, a step-parent, uh, a grandparent, whatever the situation might be, that, that God is going to be using this in our lives. So as we get started this morning, what we want to look at is three key statements regarding growth in Christ. And, and this, this entails everything, not just the discipline area. So, number one, our goal is in life is to please God. And, uh, you know, there's a number of places we can find that. Obviously, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, in, in everything that I do, I strive to please God. 
to please him. And, and so that's, that's number one. That's where we start. And it's secondly, I please God by being like Jesus Christ. And again, Romans 8, 28, 29 talks about being conformed to the image of Christ, which stands in stark contrast of um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, which says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this idea here is, is that, that we are to be like Christ. I please God when I'm most like our Savior. And then number three is, God knows I will not be perfect, but he does expect me to be growing and changing. And I think that that is one of the most important things that we can be thinking through. So if we're talking about parenting or, frankly, anything else, these three goals really work well in the idea that, that God knows I'm not perfect. And everybody should say amen, right? But he does expect me to be growing and changing. And so the one thing you don't want as, as you think through this is you don't want to be the same as you were a year ago. If you're in exactly the same place that you were a year ago, you're stagnating. You should be growing. You should be changing. You should be being challenged by God's word, not just through the preaching of God's word, but in your own private devotions or family devotions or whatever it is that you would, you would have that desire to be growing and changing Let me also move into some introductory remarks here. And basically, um, what I want to do is ask a, a, a number of questions. But when it comes to this topic of nurture or discipline or correction, um, we're going to start with this. And, and the question is, what do we do with these verses in the day and age in which we live? So i got two verses I want to share with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 24, or excuse me, Proverbs 13, 24 says, the one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. The next verse is Proverbs 13, or 23, 13 and 14. It says, don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod, you will rescue his soul from shield or rescue his life from shield now everybody take a big deep breath and relax because did god give us these verses to embarrass us is is what you should do is just take a razor and cut these verses out of your bibles well the answer to both of those questions is no God hates all abuse, no matter to whom it is directed. I want you to, 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 to hear me <clears throat> carefully because this is so important. God hates all abuse, no matter to whom it is directed. There is never, never, never an excuse for the abuse of anyone, let alone children. 
It is always wrong, and it does not honor God. That being said, we must be people of balance, not people of extremes. We need to be biblically literate enough to be able to compare Scripture with Scripture. (coughs) Excuse me. Still working through this cough. We need to understand what God is trying to communicate to us in verses like these and also be able to balance those with the rest of Scripture. Let me walk into some wrong thoughts about discipline. Here's some wrong thoughts about discipline. Correction and conversation alone is enough. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 still says, Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Correction and conversation will not change behavior alone or prevent a wrathful lifestyle. Sometimes, within the realm of parenting... Sometimes the hand of knowledge must be applied to the seat of learning. I'm going to give you a minute until till that finally clicks in. And you go, oh. The hand of knowledge must sometimes be applied to the seat of learning. Correction and conversation, while good, while could be productive, while sometimes that's all that needs to be done, may be good, sometimes some discipline needs to be involved in that process. So some may say, well, many who were disciplined firmly turned out badly. You ever heard anybody say that, you know, that you know, somebody that, that, that was disciplined and, and, and maybe it was abusive or harsh discipline uh, of some sort. And, and you say, well, they turned out badly. Okay, let's take an honest look at that statement. And so I'm going to preface every single one of these next few points that I have is we're going to ask this question, is it possible that parents have, and I'll give, you the, I'll give you the point, okay? So is it possible when, when somebody says that many who are disciplined firmly turned out badly, is it possible that parents disciplined in a state of uncontrolled anger? Is it possible? Listen, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to express Uh, save your souls. Explosive parents 
are never good disciplinarians. You know why? Because kids walk around on eggshells never knowing when the explosion is going to come. It's a hard thing. I have had the, the blessing of being able to counsel junior boys. I love counseling junior boys. I've even had the privilege of counseling junior hires and senior hires. But one of the things that we're told when we go through counselor training is that if you are losing it, you need to find another counselor. And sometimes, you know, when, when we're dealing with, with littles and we're trying to keep, you know, it's like organizing cats, right? And it's just, they're bouncing off the walls and, and pretty soon you kind of feel that, that anger level coming up. Man, it's, it's good. You know, grab, grab I'm going to go grab Ron, you know, and, and Ron, deal with this for a minute so I can do the right thing and not be angry. We are not, as, as we're here this morning, we are not going to act like this never happens. Because sometimes we get mad. Sometimes we get angry. And we act and react in a way that is nothing honoring to God. And so we just need to, we need to recognize that. Okay? Number two, is it possible... Parents have disciplined because children are just bothering them. You come home, you're chilling, you just, all I want to do is relax. And you discipline out of the fact that all I want is a little peace and quiet. For crying out loud, can I even have that? Ephesians 6, 4, and We've talked about this verse ad nauseum, okay? But I want to read it for you from the Amplified Bible. I just thought this was so good. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable, humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them. So there's a parenthesis in there. It's a wrong goal. But I've been there. I've done that. Shoot them out of the room because I'd rather sit and watch TV than to be bothered. So we understand that is it possible for parents to discipline their children just because they're bothering them? I think so. How about this? Is it possible that parents would discipline without love and praise? There must be a balance in loving correction. Wrong must be confronted but never to the exclusion of love and praise. And so there has to be this, this balance in there when we're dealing with our kids and, and we're, we're confronting wrong. They've done this 
thing that's wrong, and yet we need to do it in such a way that we communicate to them that we still love them. And it doesn't hurt anything to give them some praise in the midst of that correction. I'm going to talk about that in a, in, in a couple of minutes here, but, but just kind of remember that as well. Is it possible parents can discipline without teaching? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this, The words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on the city gates. When it comes to this whole idea of teaching, always remember questions prick the heart. Accusations harden the will. Do you think that's any difference for, for littles? Do you think that's any difference for teenagers? No, those things, they, they need to be remembered. And we need to, we need to discipline uh, with, with teaching. Okay? So I'm going to show you this. And, and I, I think this is one of the most helpful things that, that, that I've come across in a long time. But good questions to ask when discipline is called for. Okay, so you ask, what did you do? Was your action correct? All right, so I punched my uh, little sister. All right, that's what you did. Were your actions correct? Well, at the time, right? It seemed like you continue to walk through that. What should you have done? Well, instead of whopping my sister, maybe I should have gone to one of my parents and said, uh, you know, she's not sharing or whatever it might be, whatever the situation is. Uh, that's, that's what should have been done. So we ask the question, what should we do? What should or what will you do next time? Uh, next time, I'm going to think through that first and... We're going to go talk to an adult, not lash out, okay? And then, I love this question because it puts the onus on, on the child. It says, how or what do you expect mom and dad to do before God? Is, is this not a great question? Because it helps the child to think through, well, okay, so what's my responsibility? What, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to react? You could go clear back to what did you do and, and was your action correct? Did it make God happy? Is it pleasing to God? You can do all of those kind of things. But this is a, is a really good question and, and it sets that kind of apart. So how do you think would be equitable, okay, these are, these are grown-up words, not, not necessarily the words you would use with your kids, but what is the equitable response for what you did? It could be as simple, depending on the child, as having them go back to their little sister or whatever and apologize and ask for forgiveness. 
it might require something more substantial. But again, it's one of those things where you work through that and see how that goes. Okay, so that I kind of threw that in there, and uh, that that is is just I think a helpful tool uh, to see. So, uh, as as parents, uh, have they uh, ever uh, disciplined in such a way that hinders creativity uh, and uh, potential? The reality is that creativity flourishes within the bounds of discipline. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you think about just about anything you do, there are rules and regulations that apply. So if you are going to be, uh, let's say, an artist, and, and, you know, man, I am so far out of my realm right now that it's kind of scary. But if you're an artist, there are certain rules that you need to follow. There are certain techniques that you need to be aware of. And so you think about, okay, take that and take it to architecture. There are certain principles of, lest I say it, geometry and algebra and advanced calculus and all those kind of things. that are incredibly important. And if you ignore in the area of, what what word did I just use? Architecture, thank you. Wow. Uh, if, if If you ignore that, how is your structural integrity going to hold up when you go to put something together? Need I remind you of the flyover bridge at Ames? You guys will probably go up there and go right over that flyover bridge. Anybody remember that? Yeah, they were working on that and working on that, and all of a sudden they get it about half built, and somebody went, um, I hate to point out the obvious, but that's never going to meet. And one of the structural posts, or I don't know what all the technical jargon is, but it wasn't tall enough. And they literally had to tear it down and start again, if I remember the story correctly. So all of those things are important. So you say, well, if you discipline my kids, or, or if I discipline my kids, it's going to hinder their creativity, it's going to hinder their potential. Discipline provides the guardrails that nourish creativity and really provide realistic potential. Okay, I got I to gotta jump ahead. No, I don't. Okay, that's not, the, not what I was looking for, okay? So there, there's, there, there's that. What, what about parents that, that might discipline uh, if, if uh, the, the last one I have here is, is letter D, and it says uh, discipline will warp his or her personality. Well, that's just not accurate. Discipline strengthens personality traits. It it gives parameters. It gives guidelines. 
If there's no abuse, children will grow and develop their own unique personalities. It is so much fun to watch Will as he's growing up because he is blooming into this really fun personality. He gets to come over to our house once a week and, and hang out with Miss Lynn, and it is so much fun to watch that. I, I loved watching that with my own kids, how they could be so different. Each one unique, each one different than all the others. A lot of things that are the same, but some things are, are just different. And they, they have these unique personalities, and we love that. We love that. Number three, finally, the Lord, uh, our Lord corrects those whom he loves for their benefits. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12. This was a little bit longer passage this morning, and I just, I want to read it with a little context to help us to, to see where we're, we're looking at here. So I'm, I'm looking at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined them for a short time based on what they saw good to them, but he, God, does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Sometimes I just want to, as, as you read the scripture, you just want to put a little, little phrase, like, duh. Yeah, discipline is not fun. It's painful. Later on, however, oh, listen to this, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those have been, who have been trained by it. Therefore, based on everything that the writer has said to this point, therefore, Strengthen your tired hands and weak knees. Make straight the paths of your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Well, 
I'm about out of time this morning, so I'm going to have to move on. But man, I'll tell you what, that is a rich portion of Scripture. Take time to go back and read and reread that. What, what an incredible portion of Scripture that is. All right, I've got some essentials here for effective uh, correction. And uh, maybe I do. There you go. And um, children, first of all, uh, we need to understand convictions that communicate. What do they communicate? Well, that first of all, children are a gift from the Lord. God is so good to us that he gives us our babies. And, and we think of Psalm 127. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And what a blessing it is to, to have, have our kids and, and, and to know them and to love them. Uh, number uh, two here, uh, you are our representative, you are God's representative, and you must give an account. Understand that the day is coming uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. Mentioned that verse earlier, but the next verse says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so we are God's representatives. We are the ones that, as our kids grow up, they, whether, whether we are comfortable with it or not, they look at us as the, the God figures in their lives. And so we need to be aware of that, and not only that we're God's representative, but there is coming a day when we must give an account to God for our kiddos. Uh, here's, here's a third one here. Uh, God wants to give wisdom and strength to you as a parent. Again, James chapter 1 says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask of faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind, that a person should not expect to receive anything for the Lord from the Lord. That person who's tossed about and all of that uh, shouldn't expect us to receive anything from the Lord because, verse 8 says, they are a double-minded man, a double-minded person, and they are unstable in all of their ways. Here's another one. Uh, you are... Uh, very loving to place limits and set up guardrails for your kids. And, and limits do a number of things. Uh, limits, they don't cause a problem, they fix a problem. That's, that's a good thing. They reveal the need for teaching. As, as kids push limits, as they push boundaries, it reveals a need for teaching. I mean, think about uh, protecting a child from the things that they're not ready to handle. Don't, don't allow them to get themselves in situations where they're not ready to handle that, okay? Provide a good setting for learning life's lessons. And then you think about limits or the stuff that, that life is made of. Our children will be limited by, first of all, their abilities. I mean, I, I, I don't care, you know, what we did I could not raise a child that could uh, slam dunk a basketball. Just wasn't going to happen. I actually had somebody look at me one time, and, 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 and they were, it was a huge dig at me, but it, 
really irritated me because it was about my kids. But they looked at me and they said, uh, you ain't got the genetics. And you're not going to be passing them on. Thank you for that. That was awesome. Okay? And so yeah, we think about that. So our kids are going to be limited by their abilities, what they're able to do. The times they get to bat the ball, the times they get to shoot the ball, uh, limited by teachers, coaches, bosses, doctors, even police officers. Amen, Tim? All right? It, it, it's just a reality of life. Children are not practiced at, at handling limits, are not prepared to handle life. You know, the great theologian Clint Eastwood said, man's got to know his own limitations. Thank you. You know, and, and so you need to be aware of those things. Um, Proverbs 13, 24 says, the one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. And the key is mature, loving adults. And they are convinced of that, is that discipline needs to be a part of our kids' lives. And I was looking for this earlier in, in the sermon, but I, I ran across this picture, and I have always loved it. Uh, it's, it's great. This guy says, I hate being confined by the fence. And he's talking about God's commands here. And he goes, wait, that's not a fence. It's a guardrail. And a lot of times what we do is we get it in our heads that, man, we can just do whatever we want to do. Nobody's the boss of me. And it ends up putting us in really bad positions. And that can, that can certainly happen. Okay, here's a couple more things. Uh, giving expectations ahead of time. You want to be a good parent, a good disciplinarian. We need to uh, be uh, uh, giving expectations ahead of time. You remember? Listen, remember Eden, Garden of Eden? God gave the expectations when? Ahead of time. Think about Mount Sinai. God gave the information and he gave all of the things they needed to do ahead of time. It prevents anger for everyone involved because you're not trying to hit a moving target. Here's the expectations. This is what we want to do. How many of you have a house that in there somewhere you've got, here are the rules of this house, and they're all fancy and, and drawn out and everything? Those are the expectations. At our house, we use the four goals that we, that, that we talked about so much walking through that. Uh, keep rules and expectations. They need to be reasonable, definable, and enforceable. Okay? It's, again, not, not rocket science here that, that we're walking through, even though Joey is soon to be working on his rocket science degree. All right. Uh, so then the need to establish rewards and punishment. All the way through the Bible, we see the truth of cause and effect. Cause and effect. And I'm just going to grab one verse and use it. But Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not marked for whatever a man sows, that he reaps. Okay? And so as you were watching the Field of Dreams game the other day, and uh, they're walking through the corn, and that was awesome. And, uh, and, and, and for people of a certain age, that was almost a, a uh, must-cry situation. But uh, as they're walking, 
there was not soybeans growing on those corn stalks. It doesn't work that way. What the farmer sows, he understands that's what he reaps. Okay? And the same is true in our lives. So let me make a, a couple more observations. Uh, again, these, these kind of things, discipline is more immediate for a child, a small child. We, we like to call them around here. We call them the littles, okay? And, and Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope delayed makes a heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. And so we, we deal with our, our littles that way. We focus on daily habits uh, uh, that need attention and changing. Uh, parents also create lists of strengths and weaknesses for each child. Think through that. Actually understand and know, you know, here's the strengths. Okay, I'm going to build toward those. Here's the weaknesses. I want to help them do better in those areas. Um, list goals. There's four goals to live by. We've, I've talked about that so many times. There's authority, respect, and obedience to authority. Whether it's the authority of parents or of teachers or of employers or of law enforcement folks, all of that works together. And then servanthood. And a willingness to really serve others. Are we raising our kids to be servants? And you know, I used to tell my kids all the time, you know, be like, uh, listen, why don't you uh, run in the kitchen and get uh, daddy a soda? And uh, I'm looking for a servant's heart. And they'd look at me and go, well, keep looking. Yeah, <laughs> you're on your own, dad. Uh, you know, but, but do we cultivate that heart of service to others. And then also you need to find the, the, the following uh, uh, appropriate rewards and appropriate punishments and those kind of things fit together. All right, got, um, I got one more here. So we'll walk through this quick. All right, avoid, follow through in love. So we're going to avoid uncontrolled anger. James chapter 1 again says that the uh, uncontrolled anger does not bring the righteousness of God. Uh, secondly, we're going to avoid words and tones that attack the person instead of the problem. You remember the four rules of communication? We gave those to you way back in the day. And uh, the four rules of communication, one of those is, is that we never attack the person, we attack the problem. All right, and then you think about Ephesians 4.29, no foul communication uh, comes from your mouth, only that which is good to the use of building up another so that it gives grace to the hearer. Uh, then we also think about uh, in this idea of follow through in love, giving help where needed, giving grace where needed. Some things are, are hills to die on, parents. Some things are hills to die on. Other things are just normal things that kids do. And I use this illustration uh, because Phil uh, laughs about it with me, but he decided he wanted to grow his hair out. And I, I had to make a decision. You know, boy, I'm a Baptist pastor. Boy, we, we keep our hair short. and We don't draw, you know, we don't, you know, don't do that, right? And I thought, you know what? It's hair. So he grows out his hair, and he goes to two-a-days. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's football practice, that you have a practice in the morning, 
and then usually a break, and then practice in the afternoon, okay? He came home from two a days on day one, and he said, shave my head. Okay. It wasn't a hill to die on. If you want to grow his hair out, cool. I have a little buddy up in the Des Moines area, and he wears his hair in a mohawk, a faux hawk. He just kind of has it all pushed up there, and his dad taught him to put gel on it, and so now he's got it all, all up there, you know. And, okay, it's cute. He's, you know, seven or eight years old. It's cute. It's not a hill to die on. Not every hill is a hill to stake out and to die upon. And so uh, give help, give grace where needed. Remember, you teach your kids by your actions. And I'll, I'll say this, your actions and your reactions. Um, express, expect pressure. Now, I know that none of you have had any of this, but expect pressure from your kids. If you really loved me, you'd let me go do this or that. Well, what kind of a parent, what kind of a Christian are you? You know, if I die, you'll be sorry. Expect pressure. Kids are going to bring it. Here's, here's the last thing I want to tell you. If children challenge, it's a good experience for them when parents win decisively. It's a good principle. that we win decisively. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to have opened your word. Thank you for uh, the blessing of your word, the instruction it gives us in a number of different areas, especially in this area of, of parenting and raising kids. And, and Father, we've, we've walked through a lot of information over the last couple of weeks. And Father, I just would pray that you would be glorified in, in what we've said. And, and Father, that your name would be magnified and made huge in our lives for parents, for kids, for grandparents, for step-parents, for aunts and uncles. God, help us to nurture and admonish when needed our kids. We love you, Father. Thank you for the way that you work in our lives. We ask this all now in Jesus' name. Amen.